broadcasting under the night sky from the edge of an undisclosed jungle on the Gulf of Mexico. I'm Christopher Garitano, your voice in the night. For the next hour, allow me to be your guide into the bizarre unknown, the fantastic macabre, and together we'll journey to that borderland between fiction and reality, a place beyond all rational explanation. We are now off to the witch. antiques, but he broke the pact, and it cost him his soul. Now his niece Mickey and her cousin Ryan have inherited the storm, and with it, the curse. Now they must get everything back, and the real terror begins. That was a lead-in opening to the 1980s late-night horror TV series, Friday the 13th. No, it wasn't the grisly tale of a masked killer at Camp Crystal Lake, but rather told the story about an antique shop full of cursed and haunted objects. Each week, the protagonists would seek misplaced oddities and battle unknown forces from beyond. Yarns like this were spun in fiction and folklore throughout the ages. But there are many who suggest that these spooky stories are most certainly based in truth. Tonight's guest claims to have inherited a haunted armoire when he and his family moved into a new home in Texas. We'll hear their story and his philosophy on haunted objects after this commercial break. After these messages, we'll be right back. You are listening to the Off to the Witch podcast, where we explore that bizarre borderline between fiction and reality and all subjects arcane. Journey over to my YouTube channel and subscribe now at youtube.com slash at Off to the Witch for a variety of extras and special features, including the Off to the Witch mini docs with further insights on many of the latest episodes, as well as previews and behind the scenes of my forthcoming investigative series, Off to the Witch Presents, as well as the anniversary edition of my motion picture documentary, Montauk Chronicles. And follow us on social media all links are available at linktree.com slash garitano7, G-A-R-E-T-A-N-O-7. And stay tuned for more Off to the Witch. This is where the temptations begin. Unlimited temptations. Can I help you at all? I'll tell you what, I'll give you 25 quid to get rid of it. It's a deal. Each concealing a horrendous nightmare that reaches out from the dark world that lies beyond the grave. If you are looking for excitement, way beyond the normal. No. If you want to test your nerves beyond endurance, come beyond the mirror on the wall. Step beyond this door to the room of no return. Experience the evil with no name. Stop! Steal yourself for the visitor in the night. Every step you take brings you nearer the clutching terror from beyond the grave. 
to Off to the Witch. I'm your host, Christopher Garitano. And tonight's guest, Josh Turner, and the Paranormal Roundtable are a family consisting of keen observers and researchers of both the preternatural and known history. Every week on his show, Josh confronts the unknown in a live stream on YouTube. But it's not simply curiosity that drives Josh and his family to dive into these tales. He's had a lifetime of experiences with the unknown and tonight as one of many encounters. So, here's my interview with Josh Turner. So my name is Josh Turner. I am uh, Paranormal Roundtable. I'm the host of the show Paranormal Roundtable. I have uh, typically two co-hosts, uh, Anthony uh, and Tony. Now that Tony is not Anthony is not uh, uh, Tony, and Tony's not Anthony. I say that because their names, a lot of times people call people Anthony, they call him Tony. Anthony, is his first name is not, uh, it's it's Mario, but we, he's been called Anthony. It's a familial name in my family, and Tony, his name is just Tony, and he's actually Vietnamese, and, and he's my godson, and Anthony is my nephew, so that's to, not to get confused. There's two different people, Anthony and Tony, and I'm Josh Turner. Everybody calls me Wolf. And uh, we've been—I've been on the show before, so this is this is this is going to be a different uh, subject. Uh, we're going to talk about objects retaining energy that could lead to hauntings. Is that correct, Chris? Yes, that's correct. You know, I've I've always been interested in that, and just some of my perspectives on even some of the most famous haunted stories in the U.S., at least, or in the world, uh, is the Amityville story. And I, I had read that George Lutz kept, when he moved in the house, the beds where everyone in the family was murdered by by the rifle that um, Ron DeFeo carried and, and murdered his whole family with. And I wonder, being that, and I believe that family did go through something, I wonder if the reason why they're the only family on record after the murders that had an experience like them is that they're also the only family that kept all of those beds where everyone was murdered in. Yeah. And it's been my opinion for a long time that, that blood and emotions saturate the environment. I believe that DeFeo, um, you know, I, I, I do believe when, when he said that he was, uh, his name was DeFeo, right? And can you edit this or something? If yeah, I'm no, that's it. Ron, Ron DeFeo was the murderer in the situation. Yeah. Ron DeFeo you know, whenever he did, I, I watched one of his interviews where he had said that, look, you know, he goes, this, I, this was a demon. Like he had had some kind of like show or whatever, you know, unless I'm tripping and it was the Mandela effect. Cause sometimes I'll remember things and it'll be like, and I, I do believe in the Mandela effect. I've had it happen to me many they times. They did interview him in prison. Yeah. They interviewed him in prison. Cause there was another one I, I believe that I saw an interview of and they were like, that never happened. And I was like, what the heck? And I looked and I looked and I couldn't find it. This just happened to me the other day too with something else, but that's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah, that would um, be a great ep- episode. 
Yeah, we should talk about. I have a lot of Mandela effect uh, from people have given me over the years. But uh, when when they interviewed him, like he was he he did like say that he didn't feel like it was him, like it was himself. Like anybody can do that though. They can say, "Oh, well, it was a demon that made me do it." Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But you still acted as the vessel and you committed the crime. But it's really weird that that, that right after that they they had all this stuff go on and i do believe leaving objects in the home is something that you know and i broke my own rule i, I never do that but the people that uh we we are we got this house from i i did that we needed furniture and we needed to get out of the apartment that we were in because that apartment even though it was i was a nice place to live it had mold and which the apartments weren't doing anything about it and we were waiting to finish building our house and I just couldn't wait. I had to, it was taking too long. The project was, was, is just too, it's too, you know, far flung. I was like, I can't, I can't sit here. And, and then I didn't even know if I was really going to, you know, build the house and, and move into it or if we're going to sell it. So it just, it's just a project that's going ongoing. And so I ended up uh, getting a house uh, off of 620 in Austin and that house has a history obviously. And, and for 15 years, I had a few little things that would happen here and there at the apartment, but, but it, I believe it was transient. Like we had some incidents. We definitely did, but I don't think it was tied directly to that apartment. And, and I still don't like, I can go into that apartment and I don't feel like something's going to crawl on top of me. You know, it's just like, I think it's the energy of whoever's living around you, but this house that we got, that we, we ended up you know, purchasing some antique items, which I don't even like antiques. That's the thing. And one of which was this armoire. And uh, do you want me to talk a little bit about that? I mean, I can just. Oh, definitely. You know, because again, you know, in the second half, I think we should get into the philosophy behind how maybe these inanimate objects retain some kind of energy that can seep out again. And so to speak, but definitely your experiences and what you suspected maybe causing it in terms of an object. Yeah. And, and the guys here with me in the studio, they can also attest because they, they each have a room at this house. So when we moved in, it was me, uh, my, my wife, Nellie, and then it was Anthony, Tony, and Alec. Alex, my godson, his dad was one of my best friends. Tony's stepdad was one of my best friends. That's how I know these kids and pretty much raised them part of their lives. Anthony's been living, living with us. For a long time, I took him in uh, when he was young. Um, him and my sister, uh, that's his mother, we, they, they have had issues, you know, so he came to live with us. The thing is that th we've been through this before, and the boys here have. They, they, they know because there's this key, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but just remember that's, that's one of the things we've gone through this before. But 15 years ago, I actually lived in a house that was very active, and I had parapsychologists, I had paranormal researchers and psychics come and, and shamans and tell me, there's a vortex here, you have all kinds of stuff going on, there's layers upon layers of stuff. I went through hell in that place, and I talk about it on my show on Paranormal Roundtable, I talk about it in some of the early episodes. And I have brought on about a half a dozen people who can, who can attest to it, and they've spoken about it. <clears throat> but when we moved into this place, there was this armoire that the people had 
and it's this huge bulky uh wooden block but it's really nice really pretty it's just like cherry wood and i thought my wife wanted it and and so i i got it but then we started having issues with it and she's like i didn't know i don't know why you wanted that and i was like i didn't want it i thought you did and so we started comparing notes and she was like well when 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 i talked to them they said that you wanted it well I guess when we were like not with each other or something, we, the, you know, the people that sold it to us were like, oh, okay, you know, uh, it seems like your wife really wants it. That's what the guy told me. I, if I remember him saying that correctly. And I was just like, you know, real busy trying to take in everything and, and, and looking at the house, which I thought was a really nice house. It's a, a little expensive, but I thought, you know, it's in a nice area. You don't have to worry about, you know, crime and things like that. So, I went ahead and got it, and and I, and I I bought three uh, different things from them, but there was a lot more that was left, and uh, most of that has been moved into a storage, and it's being sold uh, piecemeal. Um, we sold the, the this wine cabinet just recently, and I told the ladies that bought it, I said, look, there's been some weird stuff that's happened, and I don't know which one of these objects could be a, a conduit for it. They just kind of laughed. And I said, okay, you're laughing. You think it's fun. Then you're taking on the responsibility of whatever this could be. Well, ultimately, the armoire, whenever I'd go to the studio on Friday to do my live streams, which is on YouTube, my wife would be there alone. <clears throat> or sometimes she would, sometimes she wouldn't. Sometimes one of the other guys would be home. But she would hear knocking, and it would come in threes. And that, that I know from doing paranormal that it, that's significant, you know. And when she told me that, I kept I believed her, <clears throat> but nothing was happening in front of me. And so she told me, she's like, I know you don't believe me because it hasn't happened to you. Well, one day she had gone to the HEB, which is right down the road. It's our, it's our supermarket chain here in Texas. And she was down there grocery shopping, and she was gone for a little while. And I think, I think she, she was with uh, Tony. I think she was with you. Mm-hmm. And, and Anthony... I think Anthony was there. I, I said before that Anthony wasn't there, but I think Anthony, you were upstairs in your room. But e- either way, it was you. You weren't. You weren't uh, anywhere around. My my bedroom is down by itself, away from the upstairs. It's away from everybody. Like if I yelled from my bedroom, you probably wouldn't hear it because they're they're wet, they're, it's, they're they're removed now. The bedrooms, the top floor bedrooms, are all together, and uh, so we're kind of off by ourselves, and even. We have a separate attic even from them in this house. And uh, I heard three bangs. And I, and I, was, I was watching uh, something on YouTube trying to do some research and taking notes and everything. And I just, I heard it and I was like, so I turned the, the TV off and I was like, did I just hear that? And then I heard boom again, like one loud bang. And I was like, okay. I have a question about this. You know, sometimes you know, people have talked about hearing those bangs and it's either, wow, it's identifiable as there's an item in the house being hit. And then at other times, I remember hearing this story and maybe it was on Unsolved Mysteries years ago, a ranch in Texas, they woke up to hearing this banging, but the banging is as if it was coming from the heavens or something. What did this sound like? It just sounded like it was coming from the armoire. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was from nowhere because I've heard that too. I've had voices because I lived in a haunted house, like I said, you know, and it sounds silly. The haunted house sounds like some kind of Halloweeny, jokey thing. It's not. I lived in a house who had that had a lot of paranormal activity fifteen years ago, 
or 16 years ago. And, and so that's when I moved out. And so I'm like, you know what? I don't want to go through this again. This is not something that I want to do. Uh, we've been there since the beginning of December. Now, when we first moved in, to give you a little backstory, my godson, Alex, stayed there for, uh, how long was he there before we moved? A week? Yeah, it wasn't a very long time. It was probably just like a couple of days. And then I think. No, nah, we moved in on the 6th or 7th. Mm. And he moved in on the 30th. So I think that's right because we, we moved some stuff in and then he stayed in yeah, a couple of days. Yeah, we moved some stuff in. Yeah, we were coming and going. Mm-hmm. Well, Alec told, told me a very weird, some weird stuff. And he told me more after he moved away. He moved away in late January. or uh, and I think it was like maybe a few days before February. So he didn't stay very long. He stayed a couple months. And in that couple months, he had some weird stuff happen. But the first two, I think the second or third day he was there, he told me that he heard a loud thud that sounded like it came from nowhere, like what you're talking about. And I was moving some stuff in, and it was me and Anthony, and we were standing there, and he told us that he heard a loud thud, like something dropped. And I was like, what did it sound like? He goes, I don't know. I, I can't describe it. It was like, it came, and literally his words were, I came like from nowhere. I just, it was there. He goes, I was in the kitchen and I was putting some stuff away and I just heard this boom. And he goes, and so I thought something had fallen, you know, maybe a box or something. He goes, and I look and there's nothing, nothing in that area where the, the, the sound came from. Now, when you're moving, of course, there's boxes everywhere. You have all kinds of stuff. He also heard something like in the garage. He thought he heard something fall and he went, he was in the washroom and he went in there and there was nothing. Everything was still and not, nothing was out of place. And then he had a few weird other little things that happened. But this, this situation with the armoire, I didn't hear any of that. I didn't have any of that. I did have some weird things happen where I thought I saw things in the corner of my eye. That usually is the prelude. It's like the opening salvo to something that's going to be, you know, I've already been through this. And I'm like, I don't want to go through this. I kept praying. It's not, this is not it. Uh, So the, the thing that happened to me when, with the banging, I I was convinced at that point, I was like, I did that. You know, I had turned the TV off when I heard the loud final bang by itself. And I was like, okay, that definitely came from the armoire. I got up, I walked over to the armoire, uh, opened the door, looked in, didn't see anything, no portal to hell, nothing like that. So I actually, you know, I figured that was it. And I thought, okay, well, these things are, they settle and they, it's old. It's an antique. It could be anything. A couple of days later, my wife's talking about it again. I went to the gym. I go work out late at night sometimes. And so she, you know, it was like one in the morning or something. I come back at like two, two thirty. And she's like, yeah, that armoire did it again. And she's like, I know you don't believe me. I said, look, before you go on with this, I don't believe you. I do believe you. I never doubted you. It just didn't happen to me. And I didn't doubt that Alec was telling the truth about what he heard. But it didn't happen to me. So I, that's all, all I can do is go by people's word. I, I do a show about this stuff, you know. So I'm, it's not like I'm, I, I put people on there and say, oh, this person's lying. I, you know, I, it didn't happen to me. doesn't mean it didn't happen. But I've had a lot of weird stuff happen to me. And so I don't, it's not surprising to me. Um, <clears throat> but typically when something's around, I can feel it at least feel it. If I don't see it or hear it, I can use, I can always feel it. And I did feel stuff. And especially in our master bathroom, I kept feeling like something was there. 
um, when I'd go into my closet, to, I still do when I go in to get my clothes or do anything. I don't, I feel like I'm not alone. It's an uneasy feeling. It's a horrible feeling. I don't like it. Um, but this thing with the armoire, I was laying in bed and it was in the morning already. I had already, and my day needed to get started. So, you know, I wake up just automatically. I always have this, this point where typically after five hours, I have to get up. I don't sleep beyond that. Uh, I can try, or maybe I can get up for a little bit and then go back to sleep, but I always wake up around four and a half to five hours. That's just how my body's been programmed because I'm always working, I guess. And so no matter what time I go to bed, no matter what, I don't sleep more than five hours. I woke up out of bed, boom. And I looked at my clock and it was, it had only been about four hours and it it was early. And, uh, I was like, man, I need to get at least a couple more hours of sleep, but I was just bolt upright, which I don't wake up like that. I don't wake up just bolt upright. I usually wake up and I lay there and then I, then I finally, you know, rolled out of bed, you know? And, and, and so, and I typically, I wake up, my routine is very specific. And so when I, I say a prayer before I get out of bed and I usually check my blood pressure, take my meds, this thing, like the door just went and then popped open. Now that really freaked me out because I'm sitting there and I'm going like, okay, that thing just opened by itself which just to me was the nail in the coffin for that thing. Because I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this thing. It's happened to my wife. The thing keeps uh, knocking, you know, um, my wife was on the phone with a friend of hers and the thing banged and the friend, I think that, I think she heard it. Uh, and this friend is somebody who actually works for me. And she didn't want to spook her, but later on we were talking and she goes, you know, Nellie got real freaked out when we were on the phone. I heard like this knocking noise. So I told her, I said, you know, that's the armoire that she's scared of. She said, yeah, she told me. So I told this person that works for me, I said, yeah, she's very sensitive, very sensitive. We have a lot of sites that have a lot of weird activity and stuff that I guess comparatively speaking, we, not really, because we have like, like 80 or 90 security accounts on the patrol. And of her, she does, I think, like 15 of them on the patrol. And she, there's a handful of them, three or four, that are really bad. And she's seen things there. Because if she's like me, if it's there, she sees it. Now, her story is really interesting because she died. And then she was resuscitated. She died giving birth and to her first child. And then she was resuscitated. And then she ended up, now she's got, like, this gift. You know, she can see things, hear things. And she's even called me and told me, you know, like when she's felt something around, even me. So she's pretty astute. And she told me, she's like, there was something there. She's like, I heard it in the background. So, you know, and, and I, I, it had already happened to me at that point. So I thought, okay, something's wrong with this uh, piece of furniture. So I told the guys here in the studio with me, Anthony and Tony, I said, we need to get rid of this thing. It's so big, you can't move it out by itself. You have to take it apart piece by piece, and then you get to the core of it, which is just the, the what would it be? The heart of it is just so what, the doors and the backing? or Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it it came apart in like, what, like six, six seven pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How old do you think it was? You know, that the, that old furniture is, they're built like tanks. Yeah. Uh. I mean, I think that thing had to have been at least a hundred years old. Yeah, like, I think older than that, because they said it. The, the the people that were there said that it was old, 
I took a picture of it and sent it to a friend of mine who used to deal in antiques, and he said it was a. It looked like it was bef- from before 1830s. So it, it was, and that was before Texas was even founded. You know, so um, I don't know if that's correct. Just by sending him the picture, you know, so going on 200 years, probably, maybe, maybe 170, 80 years. Um, how many years is that? That's probably about right. If it's from before the 1830s, and he said somewhere between the 1820s and 1830, that 1833 would be like when Texas really became like, you know, so this thing predates, you know, and it's not, obviously it's not from, not, not even from here. So, you know, I don't know how old it is exactly, but that's what the friend told me. And it had some weird etchings on the top of it too, which were like a maze looking pattern. Um, kind of a squared off spiral maze looking pattern, which made me look, made me feel uncomfortable to stare at it. I don't know. And I just thought, man, maybe the people that were there before, you know, I don't know what they were doing or what they were involved in. There's been a lot of weird stuff that I've noticed and uncovered. Can't really get into it because I don't want them coming back trying to sue me or whatever, because I, you know, say that they did something. I don't know what they did, but to have, you know, and then they, they wanted out of that place. They wanted out of it bad. And they had a lease with the owner. So it, it, it's a place that we're renting. Um, but because we're building a house, but it, it was like me and the owner had talked back and forth about maybe coming into an agreement on me buying it. That was after the first couple months. And then I was like, nope, I'm not going to buy this place. Cause now there's been a bunch of stuff that's happened. I know about objects retaining energy and having issues with objects because I get people's stories all the time where they've done that, where they've had issues with, you know, objects that they've brought into their home. And then a bunch of stuff happens. Uh, There was a lady in Louisiana. Uh, I don't remember the name of the episode that we did, but uh, she, she brought her mother and her went and explored this old Victorian uh, house um, and, and, or I'm sorry, Victor was a plantation house and, and they went into it and they took an object out of it, which was a mirror, a small one. And she would, she, when she was using it, when she would use that mirror, she would sometimes see what looked like a demon or something behind her when she would look into the mirror. Now, Chris, that's something that you know about because you actually did a show on your show, Strange World. I saw the episode where the guy took the mirror from the house by the lake. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, that's such a horrible mistake. And and I told myself I would not ever entertain having antiques. I would not buy any antiques. I wouldn't put them in my house. But when we moved out, there were several pieces of furniture that I don't remember us talking about. And maybe we did, it was just really quick or something in the, in the conversation, you know? Um, but, we didn't pay a whole lot of money for these things and, and we needed furniture. And so we, we took these two nightstands. I don't know how old they are. They look like they might be, you know, 80 to a hundred years old. They're, they don't look as old as this armoire was. And, but it's all well-made. And uh, my wife found something really weird in one of them. I'm not going to get into it, but I just thought, man, can, um, can you give me just a generalization without, you know, calling anyone out, uh, 
something that I didn't want in my house. <laughs> it's okay. about as far as I want to go with that. And was it was this item terrifying? And I and, and also specifically, you don't want to call this item out because you feel like perhaps if you talk about it, there's a there's definitely a bad mojo. In oh, it's to it's that. not that. It's just legal. You know, okay, I mean, like okay, I don't want to get into it. We threw it out. It was like, dude, this is not something we want in our house. Um, and it's just not, you know, and it, and it, it just was, it was odd. Let's put it that way. We have had some really weird stuff happen since we've been there and it's escalated to the point where I felt the need to go around and do a cleanse and, and I ended up in the backyard trying to get whatever this was. Cause something ran up, something invisible ran up on my wife while she was on the deck and we have dogs, we have cats. They act weird sometimes, and they it's like they're staring at something, and then they'll go hide, and then we can't get them out of the, the spot where they're hiding, which is not characteristic of them at all. Um, whatever it was that ran up on my wife, she said it didn't sound very large. It just sounded like something small, uh, like a two on, on two legs. And she said it sounded like a person running up the deck and going toward her. When I did the cleanse. I ordered this stuff out of my house, opened the window so I could go out. I did the traditional, what you're supposed to do. I said in the name of Christ, I denounced it. But when I was in the backyard, I heard laughter after I did it in the yard to, to, to dispel it from the yard. I heard laughter coming from the neighbor's yard, a demonic laugh. And it wasn't a person. And it so was, there was no way that, that came from a person at all. This was something no that way. really caught your attention. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, the laughter was so weird because I thought that it was laughing in an arrogant manner, like, oh, you haven't made me do anything. But yet I think it did because it was in the backyard of the neighbors, not mine, not my yard. And I don't know what those neighbors are into. I don't know what any of those neighbors around me are into. None of them are very friendly. They don't speak to us. They don't talk to us. They don't look at us. They keep their lights off all the time, except for like one or two. Um, you rarely see any activity. And so that neighbor back there, I don't know anything about that neighbor. And it's so weird because we have a really big backyard and then all our neighbors around us have small backyards and our neighbors, what we have like what a half a dozen that border us. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. We're pretty much covered on all sides uh. by neighbors because we have a pretty huge backyard and comparatively they have a smaller one. So there's more lined up all against us than there would be normally. Yeah. And Alec, you know, my godson, he believed that that the the people there, he goes, there's something weird about these people. He hit the nail on the head with that. He said that that he goes, they're all jealous of us because we have a huge backyard and they have these little tiny backyards. And every time our dogs would go out, they'd complain. And then we've had the HOA on us about every little thing. Uh, You know, your car is parked out on on the road. Oh, after 10 like ticky tack stuff so these people obviously you know the people that lived there before said that oh they're great all the neighbors were so wonderful they all came by and welcomed us they brought us snacks and food and all this amazing <laughs> stuff. this is what they said you know I, unless these people were just outright liars and, and i think they were trying to get out of this house they wanted to get out of the lease and so i talked to the owner he's a really nice guy and i asked him i said you know they broke the lease or what? Cause he said they had a, a, a three year, they but they only did two and a half. He said, he told him, he said, look, if you want to get out, then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll list it and you can find a, a renter. Then I'll let you leave. But you know, your, your, your lease isn't up yet. 
And, and so then in conversation, what I pieced together from talking to him and talking to the people that live there, the guy had fallen. And he said it was just a freak accident. He lost his balance on the stairs. He fell and broke his neck and, uh, and, and part of his back or whatever. He, it was a bad accident. He's lucky to be alive. And so then he, they, he couldn't work right or something. So he couldn't, they couldn't afford to, to pay for it. You know, and that's partly him telling me and then partly the owner telling me that situation. And I'm just like, okay, so this is weird situation. I end up moving into it. I asked them very specifically. I said, dude, is this place on it? Cause I want to make sure my wife said she kept picking up on weird energy. She does that. She's an empath. I'm empathic, but not as to the level that she is. And I, but I'm very intuitive. And so she said that the people there gave her a bad vibe. And, I, and I, I didn't feel that because I didn't really pay attention. I was just too busy trying to look at the numbers and the facts and whatever, like men do. And uh, broke a lot of my own rules, you know, not paying attention, not following my intuition. Because I was so determined to get out of that apartment because of the mold. And then this study, when I went to the study, there were, I'm not going to get into what they were, but there were some weird artifacts in there. The guy had some weird stuff. And uh, I thought, man, this is, uh, this is troubling. You know, this is, uh, I don't know if I should, you know, I just kept thinking, you know, double, double think and overthinking it, whatever. But the other two places that we were interested in looking, one was so far flung. And I definitely didn't want that one because I felt a really bad energy in that house. And you guys remember that it had a pentagram on the wood uh, in the bathroom. Was it the downstairs bathroom? Yeah, it was a downstairs bathroom, and that 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 symbol was like the prominent uh, decorative element in that bathroom. <laughs> so weird. So was it was it carved in haphazardly, or was it part of the original? No, it was artwork? like a decoration, but it was uh-huh. carved. It was like burned, like that burned wood. So that was in a different house we were looking at, not this one. So I told everybody, I said, "Yeah, that house is a thousand dollars a month cheaper. It's way cheaper, but it's way far flung. So you can have a huge commute, and and, the, and what we're going to spend in gas." I mean, you're adding another, you know, 12, 13 miles one way. So you're, you're looking at probably, tw- I think it was like 26 miles back and forth into town and back, you know. So it was so far out there. I said, no, this isn't a really, it's not a viable option. So we, and I had a weird energy there. And the study would have been, at that place, all the bedrooms would have been upstairs. And the study, though, was off by itself facing that bathroom, that downstairs bathroom with the pentagrams. <laughs> And I told my wife, I said, the first thing we'd have to do is take these pentagrams down, but you don't own that place. You can't just, you know, yank stuff up and we're only going to be there till we build this other house. So I said, I can't, that's not, that's not an option. And so I, I just was like, okay, so we're not going to get that house. And then there was another one we looked at and there was no parking. There was a tiny little driveway with a two car. Well, they said it was a two car garage, but it looked like you might be able to fit a car on a motorcycle. I was like, there's no way. And then the HOA will be up your butt because you're parking um, you know, and we have, you know, vehicles and I said, there's nothing we can do. We said to this house, or we just keep looking, but we had to get out of that apartment either way, which is a bad situation. And, uh, now I'm going through, you know, proceedings with that because of the mold. So it, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a nightmare. And so I ended up just taking this place going against all my intuition, going against the vibes that me and Nellie got, especially her. And, and then on top of that, needing some furniture because I needed to leave that apartment furnished because we thought they were going to go in and clean it up and fix it. And then that, that Tony here would be able to stay there at least part-time when he was in town because we live way on the edge of town. 
And then uh, Scorpion, our, my friend that rented there, he was going to rent the room and just they were going to stay there. But once it got clean. And in the meantime, we had to go. I mean, we had to get out of there. There was just no way to stay there. So us three here and my wife and then Alec, of course, came and down and to live, you know, at that house, which he subsequently told me he, he would come back to live in Austin and work and help with the show like he was doing before. But he doesn't want to live in that house. I don't blame him. And he had weird dreams there. We all have. And then it's just it's just such a weird energy there. Like at times it feels okay, and then other times it's not. Um, a good friend of ours, David Weatherly, he's a, an author. If anybody knows who that is, he writes really good books. And and so David and his wife came over, and they said that the only thing that's keeping it together is the love that we have for each other and for our pets, and that's why we're not just in a full-blown, like, you know, it's not just as bad as it could be. And I noticed my other nephew, my brother's son, when he comes to the house, he says he always has bad dreams. So he tells me one day, he says, I feel like something bad happened here, like really bad. And so I don't know. I, and I don't want to be accusatory of anybody because I don't know everybody that lived there before. I don't know what they did or what they were into. But I can tell you this, I, the whole neighborhood is weird. They, they, nobody came to us and said, hey, welcome to the neighborhood, like the, the previous renters. They didn't bring us uh, apple crumb cake and, and goodies. and They had not even a hello, a hi, a nothing. If they're outside doing something and you wave, they ignore you. Do the people I mean, in the neighborhood at all seem happy? Does it seem like no, an oppressive really. area? Okay. Yeah, it kind of feels like very... Like they're putting on a facade. It kind of just feels like kind of stuck up and like they're just keeping up airs, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, no matter what situation they're in, if if, if there's not happiness, if you don't hear laughter, if you don't get that good vibe, these people are miserable. And I wonder if they're going through something similar, you know, in turn, bad dreams, fighting with each other, making them antisocial. Now, I wonder, have you heard any other stories around the neighborhood? Um, I've heard arguing. <laughs> I heard arguing in the backyard. Me and my wife were out there trying to have breakfast a couple of weeks ago, and we heard, like, arguing. And she's like, the neighbors are fighting again. And the, I was like, and I thought it was the neighbors um, on the other side. But it was the neighbors on the, on the, on the, on the opposite than where, we, where I usually hear. Because those two other neighbors, I've heard them arguing outside because they're a couple – she seems to be a little something's wrong. Like she's been on the, at the fence, like kicking the fence when our dog gets close to the fence. And it's like their dogs go out and bark and do all kinds of stuff. They got pit bulls, of course. And our dog just goes to the fence and barks. And she goes out there in the middle of the night when we let her out to, to go to the fence. She's out there kicking the fence at like two in the morning. And it was oh, just yeah. weird. And there were no wow. lights on anywhere. So, and, and I've heard her and this other guy arguing before, and I just kind of ignore it. But my wife said the couple, the, the neighbors are arguing again. These were the ones behind us, like kind of off at an angle. It's kind of hard to describe. They're, like I said, we border six different neighbors. It's really weird the way it's made. And I was like, what? I've never heard them argue before. She's like, yeah, they're out here before. And I was like, really? And I was like, thinking to myself. And then I voiced it later on to my wife when we were washing dishes. And I said, doesn't it seem like everybody in this neighborhood fights with each other? Because the, the neighbors across the way, 
Um, and then the houses are real close together. It's just tracked housing, beautiful, nice houses. I mean, these are all million dollar homes. Um, but the, the, the neighbors that kind of across from us at an angle from us, they were outside one day and the guy and the girl were arguing. And it's weird that you said that because I've noticed that I've noticed like a lot of people seem to be not happy and arguing with each other. David had mentioned that he thinks that the whole area is, is weird. Now, Anthony picked up on something. Uh, tell him about the getting to the place. Oh, so like the way the neighborhood is set up and then, and the way the house, uh, the layout of the house is in regards to, to, to Wolf's bedroom in particular. Um, it's like one big square spiral and that, that same design was at the top of that, uh, of that armoire. Um, because like you have to, you have to make all left turns. Like we, we live off of one main road and uh, you turn off of that main road and then you make a left turn and then you make another left turn and then uh, you, you make a left turn to get into our driveway and you go through the front door and you you make a left turn to get into Wolf's bedroom and then to get into the the uh, that master bathroom, you make another left turn and then to get into that closet is another left turn. And that that, that area in particular is an area that. Um, David Weatherly had uh, checked out and and said that the energy in that house is like radiating from right there, and, and that 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 that, uh, that spiral pattern you had to take it has something to do with it. It's related in some form. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. And so so that armoire was indigenous to that house, correct? Uh, I don't know if it was that it was there when they moved in. Did they say it was there? I haven't heard I anything know. about it. I, I don't remember. I don't remember what they said. I just remember them saying they didn't want to move it, and they were going to leave it there. <laughs> they didn't want to move it. it. <laughs> they were probably, they were having the same issues with it, don't you think? Well, yeah. And then they had spirals everywhere. Like the spiral is like all over that. Like the the curtain rods are were all spiraled, and we still have a couple of them up. We took all the others down. But predominantly, not not all the curtain rods. I'm sorry, some of them, most of them were spiraled. And Alec, my godson, noticed that, and so did Zane, and what you guys did too. We all did. But that Zane and Alec in particular pointed that out. They were like, "Look at these spirals," you know. And there were spiral objects in that study. Okay, like I'm going to tell you, but it's it's you know, like I said, I don't want to. I don't want these people. I'm not going to give their names or anything or talk about them in any way publicly. They were really pushy too about an object that they wanted back. I'm not going to get into it, but that was something that they were just over the top about, you know, obsessed with. And eventually they came and knocked on the door or the wife did, which I thought was weird because they live like four and a half hours away. So they drove all the way down there just for that. But they also left a bunch of junk. At least it was to me. And I just, we had to throw it out. We had to take like two loads of crap that they left behind um, and, and furniture that we didn't ask for. And so like we got this credenza thing. I don't remember, you know, buying that from them, whatever. I just remember the, the, the two lamps, the two, uh, or no, there were three lamps. They were all antique. And then two uh, dressers or dresser, I'm sorry, nightstands. And then there was a dresser and the armoire. I don't remember all this other stuff that they left behind, like the wine cabinet, 
I don't remember that. I remember the table. We bought a table from them because we needed a table. We didn't. It didn't. We didn't keep it for very long. We put it out in the garage, and now it's sitting at the uh, at the storage storage. But uh, you know, like I said, I broke my own rules just just to get out of a bad situation with the apartments. You know, and I wish I could put that <laughs> into the lawsuit. Be like, you know what? I moved into a haunted house because of y'all. You know, but uh, I don't think that's going to I mean, hold. Perhaps you could, you know, and in some in some cases, those those ideas have been brought up in certain lawsuits. I mean, I it, it would be kind of hard, you know, to like it might end up just pushing it in the other direction. They'd be like, these people think everything is haunted now. So, um, but it, it's I didn't. I, it's kind of like I I moved from one not good situation to a worse situation, and I. I'm, I just want to get this other house built and get out of that place and get, get gone because it is a huge house. I mean, it's a big place, like 3,700 square foot or something. Um, but the house I'm building is much larger than that because I'm going to have to have my study there and the studio and everything else. But this house that I'm in right now, from the moment we moved in, I've had nothing but weird dreams, not necessarily bad dreams. And I've had some really bad ones too, but I've had some weird ones, just weird dreams not these weird abstract dreams either, but like dreams of things happening and being in weird scenarios, people I don't know and things and, and, and witnessing things and not being able to do anything about it. What, uh, what's the most disturbing one you've had? Um, witnessing a murder. Like I thought that I witnessed a murder. It was like these people were all around and they were just like hitting this person until they were in the, on the ground and they were punching them in the back of the head. And I was like, what the heck? And then I had a dream with about my uh, nephew, who's not in the studio with us, but him like getting hit in the back of the head too. But he, every time he would get hit, it would be him like hitting himself. And that one really disturbed me because he, it was like he was dying, but he kept hitting himself in the back of the head. Like this other version of him was hitting him in the back of the head. And, and he kept saying, I'm okay, I'm okay. And making excuses for this other version of him. So I don't know what that means. If that has something to do with his destructive behavior, um, I'm not going to air out his laundry on here, but I raised him. I adopted him. He was like my son because my brother, you know, had gone away and, and had, had to did, did some, he did something and he got in trouble. So I ended up having to like take his son in and raise him and uh, you know, not to get too personal or anything, but I mean, he had some emotional issues as a kid, but he has also <clears throat> the, 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 the funny thing, not funny, but weird thing about him was he never met my friend who was Alex's dad. That's my godson who said he had the weird stuff happen to him when he moved in. His dad uh, committed suicide in 2011. And after that, Zane started having these weird dreams at that time. And he told me, he goes, dude, I think I've seen your friend, Roger. And I was like, and I thought, okay, you know, maybe he's just trying to connect with me or trying to say, you know, cause I have had dreams that have had, have come true. And I've had, like, I've told you before, <clears throat> when I was young, I, I, my Thea would call it the ojo dotado, like the gift of the eye. You can see things other people can't, you can, you have dreams and I have had precognition. And so I thought maybe he was just trying to connect with me. Then I go to, to, to visit my, my mom who lived down in Houston and she starts talking to me about having had dreams about Roger, who she had never met personally. She knew who he was, but she had never met him. My dad had met him. He knew him. And this guy was my best friend for years. And But I had never – I'd met his mom, but I'd never met his dad. He had met my dad, but never met my mom. 
and uh, his wife and him were I was really close to them you know and their children I was close to the whole family and so he started talking about having these dreams um about Roger and and so my mom and Zane we were all comparing notes and I was like whoa wait a minute you were having dreams too because at first I didn't really believe Zane until my mom said that then I realized that you know th- there's something to this because I was having dreams too like he was calling out to me trying to get help and I, that's a whole nother deal you know but it's just it's just it's just weird so you know with Zane dreaming about him like this happened just about a week ago and just having had dreams about everybody in that house and then my wife says she'll go to sleep and she'll be in the house and she'll be like seeing things and witnessing things and it disturbs her some of which she hasn't even talked to me about because she doesn't even want to talk about and i'm sitting here going like i don't know what happened in this place i know that at least three different people have told me there's some negative energy there that they've felt like outside that they're not you know outside of the house they've told me that they feel they've had weird dreams there it's uncomfortable the objects as far as like what you know after we broke down the armoire and we moved it one of the vehicles we moved it in was tony's truck well about a week after that he ends up his truck gets hit you know while he's parked on post working doing security his vehicle ends up getting smashed his truck and then my truck goes out of alignment so bad i had to have it in the shop and this is weird like a lot of weird stuff started happening and uh I don't know. It just, I don't know if it had something to do with the armoire um, and us moving it in those vehicles. Cause when we were moving it, we were taking it to the dump. I just remember thinking this could be bad. There are those who say that this quiet town holds many secrets. Legend has it that beneath this very tower, a dark force had its eyes set on the children. We were told that what was going on there was for the benefit of humanity. What would you say to the people who say, well, all these children were kidnapped and murdered and you were a part of it. What would you tell them? Would I tell did them? approve of it, but there was nothing I could do about it. They wanted a large number of programmed boys to be used for mind control operations. And there are others who say it's still happening to this day. I don't know, I for myself find it a little suspicious that all the evidence has been conveniently destroyed. Let's put it this way. If you're sitting there with 20 guns pointed at you, what are you going to do? Whatever the hell they want! Watch Montauk Chronicles now for free on Tubi, Plex, Roku, and available for download on Amazon and Apple TV. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture, 
The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones, to the mysteries we will examine. It's important to point out that, um, you know, you come across a lot of different pieces of furniture over your lifetime. You've moved things. You've had to move to different places. And the first question that would come up is, why on earth would you all of a sudden just feel uneasy about this particular piece of furniture? And what would you call that? Is that an instinct, an intuition, just something that's screaming at you? Plus, you're having all these odd experiences attached to it, and you you know, you've been around a lot of different things and that doesn't always happen, correct? No, no, it doesn't. I mean, like, you know, I, after my mom passed, my sister had, uh, I have two sisters. One of them's very, uh, I don't, I don't get along with her. The other one I'm, I'm pretty close with. And the one that I'm close with, she actually had two or wait, she had a set of chairs and then a recline, went in a recliner. What else she have? Yeah, it was just a set of chairs and a recliner. Okay, so I thought maybe there was something else we got from her. I think that was it. But I don't feel anything from those those pieces of furniture. I don't feel nothing. Like, I've fallen asleep in those, and there's, there's nothing. Um, there is a couch we got. We got it at a consignment store, and everybody gets a weird feeling from that couch. And it's not native to that house, and it's not it's not nothing that was left behind either. But it has its own weird energy. It's got its own whatever. And uh, I took a nap on that couch, and I had a weird dream. And I don't know if it was because of the house or because of the couch. But the animals don't really like to jump on it. They, they get on all the other furniture. They don't get on the couch very much. They get on the love seat, the recliners we have. They like to go and lay in my favorite chair. The study there, it took about two months before me to clear it out. And I'm saying like with, with the negative energy, because I couldn't get any work done. I'd go in there and I'd try to do stuff and I just kept feeling like something was standing behind me. And then it just was like, I just didn't want to be in there. You know, finally I had to just sit there and force myself. So prayer and a lot of just positive, you know, thinking and trying to just, just clean it. You know what I mean? Just get it cleaned and denouncing everything in the name of Christ, trying to get it clean. And finally, I feel better. You know, I got some some stuff in there now that I think is is helping, and and the energy's good. And now the animals they they love to go in there. As soon as I open that door to go to my study, they run in there and they all hang out and congregate. Before, they wouldn't go near it. Uh, and and th there's something weird too with the laundry room because the cats and the dogs keep trying to get in there, and I don't know why they want to get in there. Like they're just completely curious about it. Um, and they like to try to run into the garage and run around in there. I, I don't know what it is about the garage or the laundry room that they, that they seem to want to be in. Do you feel either, and again, you can, I know you don't want to call anyone out specifically, but let's say 
just hypothetically speaking, some things that could happen in a house, maybe not this house, right? But in some other house that would cause something similar. Could it be a murder? Could it be people messing with black magic? Could it be something else? What, what do you what do you think some of the elements, you know, of this story, what do they lend to if something happened? And we can say it's another location. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that could, that could go on. I mean, not the least of which is if people were doing, because people are very ritualistic. You know, you'll find that in religion. I mean, that's what religion is. A lot of it is just ritualistic, you know, you know, whatever, going through the motions. People are ritualistic and patternistic, and they like to content, they like to do the same things over and over again. Uh, they like to feel like it's making a difference, too, in whatever it is they're doing. And I just think that when it comes to something like this, if somebody was doing something, you know, in this house, then it would lend to that. Yeah. And, and, and possibly doing bad things to someone or something like, like hurting animals or people. I, I don't know what, you know, that is that what you're talking about? Like, do you think maybe something like that went on? Yeah. I don't know specifically what, what could inspire or inspire an object to absorb enough energy to cause odd things to happen. I'm saying in general, like some people suspect there are vortices in, in, in homes, locations, uh, geophysical effects on the, uh, on the body and brain. Um, the, uh, the spirit of discorporated human beings, ghosts, in the house, demonic presences, but like in regard to, in regard to an object itself, what do you think? And we don't know, I mean, we don't know for sure, but from your knowledge and your research, what do you think might cause an, an object to retain enough energy to pass it on and affect other people? Blood magic comes to mind, but I mean, that's kind of an extreme case, but that does happen. But I think that things can absorb energies. And now I'll give you an example. Like if somebody did something and these objects were around it, it could absorb that energy. Now, like attracts like negative energy is released. Negative energy clings to something. Um, that's going to invite evil. Like, you, you know, Lutz, you know, he, George Lutz, he goes in there and he buys the house, you know, DeFeo had killed his family there. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to leave the beds here. You know, that is the most morbid, most ridiculous thing. You know, if I know for a fact somebody was killed in that bed, I don't want that energy. Because even if their disembodied spirit is not there, whether you believe it or not, a non-corporeal entity is there, you're, you're giving something that has energy. It's, it's there for something else to be attracted to. And, and, and if there was a demonic presence that caused, uh, uh, Ron uh, DeFeo to do what he did, you know, th then it's probably still going to be feeding off of the energy of that blood and emotions. Blood and emotions saturate the environment for sure. 100%. Uh, example, for, for me, I've had a few weird objects. I was gifted a Gurkha that came from overseas and it was, it was really, it had a bunch of crap on it. Like, and I was like, what's wrong with this blade? Now a friend of mine who's now deceased, you're, I'm not going to bad mouth him or anything. He didn't know any better. He was ignorant. And I said, James, what is this? You know, he got this, uh, 
sword you know that you you're giving me and he's like yeah dude this 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 the, it's never been clean there's still blood from people who who had been killed by it all the way back to the 1800s and i'm like I, it's a object you gave for me on my birthday i said i don't want this in my house it was in my house for two days and we had this weird shadow thing encounter in a house that was already negative and whatever that was it woke something up because the stuff that goes on, and I could this, this I could go on about this forever. But the, when when I was living in the house in South Austin, fifteen years, anything could spark it, could set it off. You know, you you wouldn't have any problems for four months, like hundred and twenty days of peace, right? And then all of a sudden, something would pop off, and it would it would lead to you know sixty days of unrest. Uh, you can't get any sleep. There's just people seeing doppelgangers. I mean, if, if you go back on my show, everybody's listening, and you 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 listen to the early episodes and some people that I brought on there to talk to that that lived there. And then there were several people that were slated to talk about it. One of which I haven't been able to get him on because he's he works like all the time. Uh, it was my friend Squid. We call him Squid. This is not his real name. But my friend Willie, who's deceased, I never he ended up with brain cancer. And it was, I, I was not able, he was battling it and he died in 2020. So I was not able to get him on the show, you know, to talk about it because he was going through, you know, treatment and a year and a half and of, of trying to battle it with neoblastoma. It's like almost impossible. And he died, but, uh, he, he was willing to talk about it. And then there was a half a dozen people who did. And then my friend Jerome, he, he stayed there for a while. His wife being Filipino, she's a little more apprehensive, I think, and doesn't really want him to talk about it. So I think that's kind of what's going on there. And I understand that. I respect that. I get it. You know, she's a little more superstitious. But there was a lot of things that happened in that house. And I and, and I, every time something would go on, like when, I, when my friend told me, I got a birthday present for you. My grandfather had this Gurkha, which is a type of blade. And he said, you know, this thing was used in, in, in war. And, uh, and I looked at it and there was all this stuff. It wasn't rust. I don't know what it was. And he said, that's blood. And it's been on there for, you know, decades, you know. And I told him, I said, I'm not interested in owning a weapon that was used to in, to, in battle. Now, I did have an Australian uh, dagger. I had a, na a Japanese naval dirk, a German dagger, uh, a British dagger, and an American dagger. But they weren't dagger, uh, bayonets, sorry. I did have those. And so I got rid of those because I thought right around the same time, I thought, you know what? There, this could contribute to something. These could have been used. Um, and so I got rid of all those different objects, but it didn't really change uh, too much. It still just kind of came in spurts, you know, but when it was there and active, it was really bad. I mean, it was bad. We would see shadows. There was a mirror. Things would jump in and out of the mirror. Bunch That's really interesting. I, I do believe war items retain an energy. I, I went into a display in a museum once, and it was ancient samurai weaponry, uh, armor. And the woman I went in with is, is very psychically sensitive. And she had an anxiety attack, and she wasn't building up to it. Like, we were both really interested in just seeing the display. But she went in there, and it was just like, completely over it like obliterated her you know she had to go sit down she got very sick and i wonder if it was either a coincidence or it was really because of the items in the room you know we did a show about that too tony uh remember we did the uh 
what was the name of that episode? The two we did on Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was called Strange Demons. Strange of Japan. Demons of Japan. Yeah, Anthony, you would know. You named it. Yeah. Yeah. And we did one where there was a guy. I believe it was Kyoto, Kyoto wasn't it, Tony? Um, I believe so. Yeah, I think I know you're talking about. It was the museum. Yeah. It, <clears throat> that one I kind of can't remember because it's been a while since we've done that show, but it, we've. That specifically, I remember that entire show was just all types of just weird stuff going on, and then all kinds of just weird Japanese mythical creatures that we would go over. And I remember this story you were telling me specifically uh, bothering me because, or at least it sat with me, and I remember thinking about it afterwards. Uh, if you want to explain the details a little more, it was a it was a Japanese uh, museum. It was, it was a museum in Japan. Mm-hmm. That's one of the stories we covered. I don't remember if it was on the first part or the second part. It was the second part. I think it was the second part. Okay. And and, and the guy was a security guard. And, and, and it was given to us by his friend. And this guy that we knew, he used to work in Japan. He's an American. But he said, dude, I got a friend overseas who worked at a at a museum. And he dealt with the, the ghost. Well, he thinks it was the ghost of a samurai. And this thing assaulted him. It, it wasn't like a... It gave him an uneasy feeling or whatever. Um, it was beyond. And what happened to your friend, that's no joke either. But this thing actually, it, he began to have panic attacks when he would go around and, and, and would sweep the floor. Not sweep, but like do his sweeps, like his checks. And when he would go through that one corridor, he said, dude, there was a set of armor there. And uh, he said that he, and, and, and of course, he's a security guard. He's going to tell you this. Like all oh, my guards, well, I'll never sleep. You know, it happens. People fall asleep. It just happens. But this guy, I think what happened was he was on post, if I remember, because I, I don't have the notes in front of me and I haven't heard that show in a while. It was a couple of years ago. But uh, he was on post and he had this dream, which he said it was like he just, he don't remember falling asleep. He wasn't like sleepy. He was just sitting at his desk and then boom, he went to sleep. And th- there was it was like this, this samurai, this angry uh, dude. You know, and just like attacked him, assaulted him. Um, and so, you know, he ended up quitting, of course. And and I tried getting in touch with him. Didn't get any call back or any answer, of course. And, of course, they don't, you know, I, I don't speak Japanese. I speak several other languages, not that one. But I had a friend doing some research on it, and he lived there. and he And he spoke fluent Japanese, and his wife even taught there for a while. And he was adamant that he did, wasn't tired at all. Like he said he was pretty awake at the time and then all of a sudden he just was hit like a wave of just tiredness all of a sudden he just couldn't keep himself up and the next thing he knows he was just drifted off and i don't remember how we worded it on that show because yeah. <laughs> i know that nathan our friend that's not the guy that there but he was kind of like hey man he still works security and for that company he didn't want it being told because you know my show wasn't huge at that time and it's still not huge it's an average size show but now you're reaching like, you know, tens of thousands of people. Eventually it might get bigger and then somebody might go back in the archives and be like, hey, that guy. <laughs> you know. So he wasn't interested in us talking about him sleeping, but I think we did. I think we did talk about it. Um, I'm not real sure how we worded it because he was like, hey, my friend doesn't want to lose his job because he still works for that company. Uh, but yeah, he was working as an overnight guard for that. And, and so that's 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 another example of a haunted object. Samurai armor is a very uh, popular 
uh, thing to possess or own by people who have a lot of money um, because getting those pieces from those pe- those time periods, you know, some of it going all the way back to like the 14th century. I mean, it's crazy, you know, and, and yeah, those are going to have a strong attachment to them because the Japanese believe that your armor and your, your sword were a part of you and they would commit it to their soul. So that's why those tend to be uh, extremely haunted. I had another case that I haven't even talked about this one yet, but these people inherited a broadsword that was, it dated back to the time of, of William Wallace. I mean, it was like, I think it was at the 1200s. It was the 1200s. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong on there, but I think, I think it was in the 1200s. And supposedly it was one of the bodyguards of Robert de Bruce. And this guy got this sword and he's got it in, not, not in uh, Glasgow, but in, uh, I think it's Lockerbie. But he said, dude, I, he's, I have this sword and I, and I, and I, I got it at auction and it cost me thousands of dollars. This guy's got a lot of money because he wanted to, to purchase an Egyptian death mask. And I told him that's a very bad idea. Um, you know, I have a lot of weird artifacts too. But the thing is, these weird artifacts, I had them uh, in my apartment, and I didn't have a bunch of weird stuff happening. So I'm pretty sure they're safe. The Japanese naval dirk, that was actually something that was used. Or not used, I believe, but somebody you know wore it. And a couple of other items I had, like I had German and Spanish helmet. I had an American helmet. I had all kinds of these different war items and things. Uh, and none of it did anything. I never had any weird anything from it. But uh, this armoire, we eventually got rid of it. And the energy's still there. It calmed down quite a bit. But there's still some weird stuff going on. And we had had the activity in the last like month kind of ramp up. And that's why we had to get rid of that armoire, and then, which, which was about a month ago. And it, kind of, it seemed like it kind of ramped up. And then it's kind of, kind of going down now knock on wood we hope that it stays that way before before we cut out though chris i wanted to tell you there's another uh situation here i don't know what the time is right now what is the time on that it's uh it's already been an hour so yeah we're an hour and four minutes in now okay Okay. do you want me to talk about the key because i can touch on yes please yes definitely Okay, so, and, and here's one of the reasons why I brought Tony and Anthony on was not just because we're all going through this at the house together, but there is an object that is a haunted object, and it's been with us for a long time. But here's the thing. I don't believe that this is contributing. It didn't, I don't think it contributed to any haunting or anything in the old place we were in for the last 15 years, but it is something that may have contributed to the house we lived in, you know, 15 years ago. And I don't really have time in this episode to get, to get all the, the, the information about like that haunting in that house. If you want me to come back on at a future date, I can probably lay out a bunch of stuff for, about that. And, and, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. We had a gargoyle statue that I found when I was overseas. I told you the story already, Chris. And this object, um, caused some issues i believe in the house that i was living in but that house already had issues the first night i was there i had a a bad dream and uh the girl i was dating at the time she had a weird dream and we didn't stay together that long after i moved in there maybe two months or something but then i ended up uh single and and you know i didn't have much going on i ended up uh 
taking a job where I, where I was like driving like three days a week. So I wasn't home at home a lot for the first few months and I was doing security like part-time at a nightclub that turned into a full-time gig. And then eventually ended up managing being one of the managers. Um, and so that was a big nightclub. In fact, it's the largest dance club capacity wise in central Texas. And it was at that time anyway. And I was the floor manager and it, and it's, it, it's a lot. You have to have a bar manager and a floor manager cause you can't do both. It's just so hard when you have like a, a, a large club like that. But I thought the people that were renting from me there that were renting the rooms for me, because the guy that I originally got the place with my friend, big Rob, he didn't want to stay there. He kept saying, dude, there's something wrong with this place. And I thought, man, you're just, you know, you're freaking out, dude. There's nothing here. I, I didn't, I didn't want to believe it. And the people that rented the rooms, I thought, well, they, they're smoking pot all the time and they're drinking. That's why they're seeing things that those two people uh, ended up becoming a couple. They were a guy and a girl and they, they came and they stayed for a couple months and then they were, they bounced and, and we, I still worked with them for like another year, but uh, I, I'm still friends with them to this day. I mean, I'm, I'm still, you know, every now and then I'll say, Hey, what's up, you know, but they, they are, were even unwilling to talk about what happened and they had something really bad happen to them. And so I just, I've never been able to get them on the show, but I did manage to get, like I said, half a dozen other people. But one of the things that happened, I, I had gotten this gargoyle looking statue. I say gargoyle looking, cause I don't know. It's, it's, it just looked like a winged demon. I don't know why I, I don't know why it would possess me to, to, to want to get that. And, uh, and I don't mean I got possessed. I mean, just like something was like, you need to get this. This is cool. You know? And my friend Ramirez at the time, we were overseas, and he was like, dude, don't do that. It's Brujeria. You don't want that. And I was like, yeah, whatever, dude. And this person had a tree in their yard, and they had cans crushed with little rocks in them. And I didn't know what the significance of that was either. Um, but it's all, like, basically, like, based in magic. And I took this statue, and I, I took it back to where we were we were at. And I said, can you put this on a transport, send it back to, to my address, whatever? They said, yeah. Well, apparently that transport went down in the Gulf of Mexico. Don't know. They said it was piracy. Um, so that's bad luck. <laughs> I do believe it had something to do with the object inside of it. And like I said, I don't have time to tell you the whole story about this gargoyle statue because it has its own history. And if you go back to the show on what episode was that, Anthony? Was that... I believe it's yeah, haunted. It's episode 42, Haunted Objects. Yeah, episode 42, Haunted Objects, yeah, like Anthony just said. So if you go back into the archives of the show, and like we have, I don't know what episode we're on now, 200 and something. But if you go back to one of those earlier episodes, in episode 42, and we have pictures of this key too. So long story short, the, the key ended up being found inside the gargoyle statue after like a year and a half, two years. Got rid of the, the statue. Now, that's a whole nother story of what went on with that statue, and I'm not going to get into it. I'm pretty sure it's destroyed. I had a psychic friend of mine tell me, she, and, and I had another one too, a remote viewer. Both of them told me the same thing, that the key is now looking to reconnect with that statue, but that it can't. Now, this key, and what I'm about to tell you is pretty incredible. It's probably more incredible than anything I've said on this show so far, which is if, if, you're, if you're not, if you're uninitiated, you're going to think I'm crazy. 
I'm not. That's why I brought these guys because they can attest to what I'm what I'm saying here. This key will actually disappear, not like before your eyes, but if you lay it somewhere and no human being touches it, I'm telling you, it will be gone within a couple weeks. It travels. And I talk about that on the show. Now, as as incredible as that sounds, and I've had a lot of incredible things happen to me, and I guess I believe people are experiencers, and I'm one of them. And I'm telling you the absolute truth. This thing will, will, will not stay put. Uh, this key, and if you, and like I said, episode 42, Paranormal Roundtable, you can go back and look and see this key. And this is for your listeners who aren't my listeners. My listeners already know this. But people who, who don't know who I am or what I do, you'll see what I'm talking about if you go and look at this key. It looks like some sort of weird demonic skull with like rubies for eyes. And then it's got wings. And we've tried to look high and low to see if something matches that key. Could never find it. Years later, when we're living in the apartment, Anthony found an inscription on there. And it tell him what it, what, what happened, Anthony. Well, so you you have to really scrutinize that key to um to to see that there is an inscription on the side of it in the first place. But like I took a magnifying glass and I, I, um, I, I even took the camera on my phone and I zoomed in on it. And it it's so weird that the inscription on that, it actually looks like it spells out W-O-L-F. Which is my nickname. And nobody had ever noticed that on the key before. Never. I had it since like 1998. And how this thing appeared on my doorstep, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. I, I just got a knock at the door. And I walked, this is when I was living in South Austin, and the, the episodes are haunting in South Austin and then haunted objects. I, I, I go to the door, I open the door, big front yard, okay? And you can see, and you go out, you take a step out, you can see in all directions. Like, there's, you know, there was nobody there. And I just went from the living room, walking to the door, like 15, 20 feet from the door, where I was, where I was, where I was standing, you know, wasn't very far, I was standing up. Get to knock on the door, I'm on, I, I'm, I'm, on the telephone back then I didn't have a cell phone. I just had, I was on the phone. I was on hold and I had one of those phones with a long cord. Cause I didn't want to have to, you know, I know the cord people don't even remember that, but, and I, and I had a cordless phone, but I had, it had been broken. Yeah. I had a big uh, mastiff and he had broken my, uh, my cordless phone. And so I was sitting there looking and I, and I was wrapped around the, the telephone cord and I said, what now? So, you know, I go and I, I just set the phone receiver down on the table open the door and I look and there's nothing out, no one out there, nothing, just a box. And I take the box in and it sat on the table for a couple of days. My brother comes home and uh, he says, what, what, what is, what's in the box? I said, I don't know. Why don't you open it up and look at it? We, so we opened it up and inside of it was a statue. Now he was, let me tell you a little backstory about him. He was a Satanist. He's converted to Christianity. He's been for a long time. But it was like hell trying to get him to to get out of that crap that he was in. And he goes, oh, this thing is cool. So obviously he was attracted to it and liked it. I said, that thing, that thing is hideous. And I was like, wait a minute. This is the thing that I found, you know, three years, or I guess it would have been about four years before that when I was in another country. And I said, what the heck is this thing doing here? And how did it get here? The box was all beat up. It looked like it had been wet. You know what I mean? Um, and then dry it off. 
And it was just like, how did this thing, like who dropped it off? How did it appear there? Weird stuff, dude, like really weird stuff. And I, I can do a whole show and get into the history of that gargoyle. I'm not going to do it. Sure. And there was no way to find out how it got onto the, the front porch? No. Mm-mm. Wow. No, the, the transport that it was on ended up sinking. It got, it got sunk. It was piracy. And people were, were attacked. And people don't realize how, how like prolific these pirates were around the world at one time. It was just like you couldn't even travel certain places in certain times because of the, you know at that place where I was at they were they were going through a war and so it was just it was really it was it was a really I'm not going to get into why I was there what I was doing there I don't want to get into that but this just suffice it to say this thing had no origin from how it could like how did it get to me that's the weird thing that's the really weird thing the key was found by accident by my friend Willie and Jerome they were we were moving the statue because there was a weird incident that I told you about the angel statue that sat across from it. I had an angel and a gargoyle and the angel, we, I heard a loud cling and then I go into my room and the angel's been beheaded. And I thought this thing is not good. So we, we, we decided I was going to get rid of it when we were moving it. Well, I didn't actually, but when one of the guys moved it, you know, it, we heard something rattle around, which I had never heard before. And uh, I found a soft spot on the bottom of it. It was hard all over, but I found this soft spot on the bottom. And I just kind of dug my fingers in and it went up into it. And I had never noticed that before. And there was a key that came out of it. It was inside of it. Oh, wow. Like literally inside of this thing. And, and, and so I thought this is so weird. Like what are the odds that there's somebody, you know, like there's something that somebody stuck in that thing, in that statue. And according to the psychic and the, and the, remote viewer they both said the same thing this this key is moving around trying to find that gargoyle statue which has been destroyed according to them um so it keeps returning now this, but like i said i had this key at the apartment we were at and it you know there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that went on there i mean nothing that you can say that came from that according to the people who've who've looked at it they said that it's benign now because it doesn't have that energy from that statue. It was a two part thing and it needs both parts, but that a lot of bad things did come from having that statue. Now I already had hauntings going on in that house, but that definitely exacerbated it. Just like the Gurkha and a couple other objects that I think that I ended up with over the years, I had to get rid of them because they were adding to it. Um, Would you, leave a word of caution for people um, that are inheriting items, going to antique shops, um, you know, coming to homes that might still have items in it. Like, should they be cautious of that thing of that, of that interest? Yeah. Yeah. My, my stepmom had an antique shop for, for years and you know, she's a weird person and well, she's just not a nice person in general, but she, um, you know, I warned her many times. And she was constantly bringing antiques into my dad's house. And there was, I've, I've had a couple things happen when I went over there. I never talked to them about it because they're not really believers. Well, I think they do believe, but it scares them. So they don't want to hear about it. But I tried cautioning them. And I thought I saw something move around the corner of their, of their uh, hallway one time going toward their bedroom. And I was like, well, <laughs> it's got to be one of these weird antiques that she brings to the house. You know, that's what I just, I told my wife, I said, that's got to be what that is. Um, and in the last, speaking of which, an apparitions, the last, uh, I guess week and a half, my wife seen this white 
missed moving independently and going into the wall where the armoire was. I've seen it moving, like going out of like the closet bathroom area in the bathroom and go out into the main bedroom. But both of us were kind of startled by it, but it didn't give us a negative feeling. Like I thought I said, talk to my wife. I said, it could even be something that's helping to clean because of all the prayer we got and all the support we had from the fans and listeners and stuff that people are like, you know, yeah, we're, we're praying for you and then trying to get it cleansed, you know, because that happened um, the last year that I lived in that house down in South Austin, it was pretty quiet. And I think it was because um, a, a friend of mine that I had made uh, who had helped my brother come to Christ, he had done a cleanse and we had been praying over it and it felt like something was fighting us the whole way. Like I said, there's a bunch of stories on my show about it. That there was a white misty like stuff that would move around in and out of the house. And when I would see it, I never felt afraid. It wasn't like the black inky shadowy stuff that we would see. I think that's the negative energy. And I think that this, this thing was something that was there when I asked my friend David uh, about it, David's not, not David Wedley is the guy I knew. This is a guy named David Soto years ago. And uh, have have lost touch with him. But he was very, very astute. Um, he was a Buddhist philosophy Christian by religion. But it was, it was weird. But, but Buddhism truly is a philosophy. People don't know that. But anyway, he, he was very uh, spiritually in tune. And he said, don't worry about that. That's something that's there to help. And it's cleaning. And I never felt afraid of it. So maybe that's not a bad thing. I don't know at this point because it seems to have calmed down a little, like I said. But I know, you know, with hauntings, they, they go in spurts. It doesn't just stay and all the time. It's not like, you know, 24-7, the Amityville horror is going on. No. You know, it, it, it comes and goes. And with this uh, key, I can give you an example. I had a friend of mine, my friend Jack, he threw this thing in the lake. That's that's the most uh, disturbing one to me because then two weeks later, it, it, it down in South Austin, the house we lived in, the key was on a dinner plate. <laughs> I go in there to grab a plate, there's the key, and it falls onto the ground, and my dog just kind of goes over to it and looks at it, sniffs it, and he, you know, and I knew it wasn't like possessed by pure evil because if it was, my dog would have reacted. My dog would react to stuff in that house. My dogs, well, I had three of them, but. And then we had a cat that, that ended up dying. And then one that just disappeared. It, it was some weird stuff in that house. Fish dying, just, you know, it looked like they'd been boiled. Um, just weird, weird stuff. You know, pets, you know, scared, hiding, you know, all the time. I stayed in that house way too long. People asked me why. I said, first of all, I didn't want to move. I was lazy. <laughs> and then I worked all the time. I just didn't want to move. But the main thing was the rent was dirt cheap. The rent was dirt cheap, and then after I moved out of there, like every time I drive by, there's a different car there. It's like somebody else is living there. And, uh, you know, it's just – it's a very weird time in my life. Multiple, multiple people have had experiences that I knew that had experiences in and around that house. And uh, But like I said, I've had many people come on and talk about it. But the, this thing with the key, I, can get, I guess, Anthony, you can tell them your first experience with the key when we were living in the apartment. Yeah, so I had actually heard about this key a few years before I had ever seen it. Um, I, I remember Wolf telling me all the circumstances surrounding it, like what what it was, where it came from, what it looked like, and and the 
what it would do. It would appear and disappear. Um, and that they tried to get rid of it and it just kept coming back. Um, and at this point, whenever he, he was first telling me about it, it, it had been long gone for years. Nobody had, had seen it anywhere. So, um, you know, I just kind of wrote it off like, oh, I, I, I believe them. But and that's an interesting story. But, you know, life goes on. And it would be like a few more years before before I actually saw it for myself, because one day um, I went to go fetch something out, out of the top drawer of this nightstand that, that Wolf had uh, sitting next to his bed. And like I would always either take something out of or, or put something into that same drawer of that same nightstand, because, um, you know, and it, it's 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 kind of common to have like the top drawer of a dresser or a nightstand be used for like just kind of miscellaneous objects, knickknacks, paperwork, pens, you know, whatever. So that's what that drawer was. Um, and so I knew what was in there and what was not in that drawer. And I, and I use it almost on a daily basis. So, so one day I go in there to, to get something out of it. I open the drawer and right on top of everything else is, is, what looks exactly like the key that he had described to me about three years before. And it, at the, the top of it was a skull head and protruding from the skull head were these two bat wings and inside the eyes were, were these two rubies. And it, it, it just, and the, uh, it, like, like beneath the, beneath the skull was like a, like a spine, like a skeleton spine design. And that's what the key looked like. Um, and so I, I grab it. And I take it to Wolf and I'm like, dude, is this, can this, can this be that key that you told me about? And he's like, and he goes, where did you find that? I said, that's what the strangest thing is. I found it in your nightstand and it was on top of everything else. Because if it was something that, that I had been missing this, this whole time, then, you know, like it would probably, probably, probably be underneath something or maybe stuff in there got shuffled around, you know, but no, it was on top of everything like someone had just placed it in there and he hadn't seen it for years no, no one in the house had uh had seen it for years I'd, I'd never seen it anywhere and i just pulled it out of his nightstand well how do you and, think it how do you think it got there that's well, just that's crazy. what's weird about it is that you know i remember specifically uh wolf having this darth vader statue that has had a, like his uh, a palm up like he's holding uh, uh, something in his hand, but it's empty. So Wolf would, you know, store some stuff there, like jewelry. He would hang necklaces from there. But I remember at one point we decided just to leave the key hanging there. And it was in open sight. It wasn't hiding anywhere. It was just right on that statue. So we knew exactly where it was at. And once again, like we all thought it would happen, it just disappeared. And what we found what was really weird about the key is that no matter where it disappeared to, it would never be where you last found it. It was always in a new area, somewhere where you, the last place you were expecting to find it, and somewhere where you're not looking for it at all. It's always when you find it, you're just searching for something else, and you magically come across it again. So it was, it was, it was like it's hard to even understand how someone would either move it or do something with it to where it could end up in those situations because. It wasn't like it was in the same spot all the time. Wow. And what do you what do you think the origins of this key really is? 
Who knows? It's hard to say. I mean, because when I first saw the key, like like Anthony, I mean, we, I've heard stories about it, but I didn't think much of it because it didn't look, it was kind of unassuming to me. It looked kind of creepy and it looked kind of like, oh, unique, but it doesn't look, it doesn't have like this, you know, super antique, super like uh, vibe where you, you'd you have to be careful with it or you'd have to be wary of it. It just kind of looked like something you might pick up and it's like, oh, it's just, you know, this cool looking key that you might just have as a decoration. And I actually was doing something similar where I was just cleaning out the, the drawers, stumbled upon it. And I brought it to Wolf because I was like, can I have this? I thought it was kind of cool. And he goes, no, you can't have that. I mean, that's the key I've been telling you about. Like that, even if I gave it to you, it just come back to me. And so that, that was my first experience about it. And I guess when I fairly, like honestly, truly was just kind of baffled by it is when we started moving into this new house and we were pretty adamant that we weren't going to take the key uh, when we were all packing up. We were like, yeah, if we find it, if we come across it, leave it at the house. Like no one touched that key. No one bring it with us. And then, you know, like a couple months later, like always, I'm doing the same thing where I'm going around just doing something else that has nothing to do with anything to do with this key. And there's this little closet under the stairs, like a Harry Potter closet where... Oh, yeah. We keep all our supplies in there. We keep some games in there, and it kind of goes kind of far back. But I noticed one day as I was walking into it, this plastic container on the ground, which was a which which was in the vehicle, which we usually keep in the vehicles. Like that's they you always had all your vehicle stuff in it. So like there was nothing in the house that could be in it. But I look in the container, and all that's in it is the key by itself. And then like I think it was some controller or something it was just like something else like real random yeah just like a single random knickknack so it was like very obvious that if that key was in there you would see it and it was in a way that was like perfectly in the middle like just mocking you like i'm right here the whole time so i immediately just go out and i tell anthony wolf about it and i think anthony you went to grab it next yeah and if if you if you were to hold this key and uh, actually look at it you could tell that it, this thing was handmade with meticulous detail. So someone really took the time to make to make this thing look specifically the way yeah, it has, they wanted to make it look. And I don't know. I mean, because of the because of where it was found overseas, and because of what it was found inside of, I always just kind of assumed that it was probably used for for some kind of like chest, which would probably store items pertaining to ritualistic magic yeah. witchcraft the occult what have you yeah and it has like these imperfections that definitely had to have come from making it by hand like it so even like the rubies on the eyes like half of them stayed and the other half are just on com- one side they fell out yeah they fell the out they're there it gives like this very two sides of the coin yeah you know I talk about this a lot on the show, and these stories are great. And, you know, I I believe they happen because I've had odd things like that happen to me. And and the funny thing is, is throughout the history of literature, movies, uh, like all of these stories, similar stories have been told. Even Christine is a very similar story. It's a car. You know, it's a 57 Plymouth Fury. 
but it's doing the same thing that key did. It comes back to you, you know, it keeps coming back, but the stories are, you know, even way back to the monkey's paw, you know, things that Edgar Allan Poe wrote about, um, HP Lovecraft wrote about some really wild stuff. And you wonder, wow, you know, they had heard these stories. They heard stories like this. So the nature of these objects coming back and haunting people, the way they affected people, seems to be some kind of pattern. And I think a lot of these writers were just informed by, you know, ghost stories, so to speak, stories they heard, folklore, you know, and that folklore is based on real things that have happened, you know, throughout the ages. I'm sure you've heard stories that are similar too, no? Oh, yeah. I mean, the monkey's paw thing is, (laughs) and it's got a whole, you know, moral to it too. Yeah, well, your stories are scaring me because I have weird, archaic objects around this entire house that would freak you out. (laughs) Yeah, I had a bunch of weird stuff. This last time when we moved, I, I dumped some, and then I got a bunch of them sitting in storage. I have a. T- I told you about the Templar sword I have, and I have uh, an Egyptian mask and a bunch of other things. And, and like I said, I had those objects though in the old apartment, and we didn't have a bunch of nonsense going on. There were over the course of fifteen years, you're going to have some stuff, but a lot of it I think was was what precipitated anything happening in our house was like our neighbors. Like the neighbors were fighting all the time. Stuff started happening. We'd see a few things here and there. Um, there were a few things that happened over the years, but like nothing like the house I lived in down in South Austin, like nothing. Like I could stay in that apartment by myself all day long, any day, and it wouldn't bother me. Um, and I don't know how I did it in the apartment down in South Austin, but if I was down in South Austin, eventually something's going to happen. You just know it's going to, and it would just, it would happen. It would just pop off. So, yeah, that, that's, you know, that, that key, I, I could, there's a whole backstory to that gargoyle too. And if you ever want me to come back, I can tell you the whole, give you the whole 411 on the gargoyle statue. And just on the way out, each of you, uh, you know, I, I ask every guest this, I asked Josh uh, Wolf last time he was on and, um, you know, each of you one at a time, if you can, uh, and there's no right or wrong answer. If you retain, and we all believe we do, your consciousness after this physical death, what would you take with you? As in like a physical object? Well, it could be anything, but I I think really um, consciousness, uh, memories, things like that. But I don't want to tell you what to say. It's it's kind of like just a litmus test to, to see how you feel about things. I want to take my knowledge with me. And if I have to if I have to do this again, I want to be able to come back and know some stuff, not just have amnesia. But I think we as people are as a, as a society, as a civilization, we are all collectively we have amnesia. I think I would be okay not taking the knowledge that I've gathered in this life with me to the next, but I would want to take my level of perception that I have in this life as as a base starting point uh, to the next because. You can gain knowledge, you know, but if you don't have perception, then you don't know what to do with it or how to apply it. So it's kind of a waste of time. That's a really good I answer. Guess, I guess that's a better answer than mine. Yeah, I think he's just trying to yes. one up you. Well, you know what though? I, what I, I win. What have I always said though about perception? Uh, perception is the key that unlocks the intangible power of the spirit. That's exactly right. So you literally you learned that. That's good. I taught you that. So he, he retained <laughs> something there. He's already retained that. 
So at least I can t- at least I can say that. I guess that's a better. I should re- change mine. Can I change my answer? <laughs> sure. I want to change mine to <laughs> to the same thing that Anthony said because that makes sense. Because you're going to have to start over. But the knowledge, the thing about that though is I have spent a lifetime gathering knowledge and reading. First book I remember reading that really hit home to me that was nonfiction because up to that point I had read like, you know, a couple little things, whatever, but it was a book about Alexander the Great and I was 13 years old and I was locked up as a kid. And I thought this, this is, I'm going to read this book. I don't know who the Alexander the Great was. They had a very small selection of books. They had a little cart they'd bring by because they wanted us to read, not just sit in your you know room and rot. So they're like, here, read. So there were like three books there. And I remember two of them. I don't remember what the third one was. It was all beat up. And one of them was The uh, Time Machine. Uh, you know what that is, right? The book? Of um, course. H.G. Wells. Wells yeah. and, and, and so I, I looked at that and I kind of thumbed through it. And then I saw Alexander the Great. And I saw a guy with a with a helmet on on a horse. And he had like a little cape and a sword. It was like this little drawing. This book's probably not even in print anymore. And it just said Alexander the Great. And I didn't, and I, I did, there wasn't really that many pictures in it. Didn't seem as thrilling as the time machine. But then I thought, I, I know what that is. I've seen the movie. And so I was like, you know, I don't need to read that, which I eventually did. But I was like, I'm going to read this. This is, and so when I read that book, that set me on my journey of just, you know, Alexander was the scientist king. Like he literally, he wanted to know everything about the lands that he was going into. And it was amazing to read that book. It wasn't like, subsequently, I've read many books about him, like the generalship of Alexander the Great and all these other lessons that, you know, Alexander of Macedon. I think, Anthony, you've read a couple of them, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, but it was just his perception that he had was was what set him apart as a leader. And what he did was amazing to conquer Persia, you know, literally a... a, a an empire that had conquered over a hundred nations. And he went in and said, look, we have to stop these people from continuing like Thermopylae and, you know, all these different invasions that had come and gone under Xerxes. So under Darius the third, you know, he knew that they were eventually going to come back. So, you know, his dad had prepared him. So he beat him to the punch. And I thought this, this is what I, I, I want to do. I want to learn. I want to learn about the world around me. I want to learn history. I want to learn science. So I had a thirst for knowledge. So from that point on, I've probably read over a thousand books. And these two can tell you that. I actually have a, a list. Um that is why I, I just did I didn't I don't I just don't want to have to die and do it over again. I don't want to have to die. You know, if I don't make it to one of these good places, hopefully I don't make it to a bad place, because that could happen too, if you're not careful. But if, if if I if I died, I want to be able to take the knowledge I learned with me. And so if I have to do it again, I'll have that. So you don't have to start over because we, we're given such short lifespans to do. And then on top of it, people waste it. They waste the time. And that to me is the greatest sin because God gives you a certain amount of time on this earth and then people waste it doing who knows what, looking at things that are just absolutely pointless. You're not teaching you anything. You're not learning anything. You're not absorbing anything. It's just there. It's just a monotonous. And I'm not saying don't unwind and play a video game now and then I do it, but uh, it's not something that you should let consume your life. The, the, the quest for knowledge is very important. And I think perception is the key though, that unlocks the power of the spirit, which can help you to dis- discern the knowledge that you're to, to, to process it. 
So I guess Anthony's correct in that way. The, the, the perception is what's important. Tony, you go ahead. Your turn. Well, my answer is similar in perception, but not really for knowledge. It's just I feel like perception is important also in understanding yourself and understanding, you know, I think if there's one thing I would want to have in my next life, it would be the peace of mind that I think I try to carry in this one. And I at least try to hold on to. And I think a big part of why I'm able to do that is being able to perceive what's going on with myself and also my surroundings. So, I mean, yeah, I agree with Anthony perception, but it's not just, you know, I feel like these are just other parts that are so valuable to it that make, you know, why it, it make perception such an important and valuable skill to have. And I think, like you guys said, it's a start to not only knowledge, but to really understanding anything in the universe. To grasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And understanding the spirit, mind, body connection. You know, obviously my salvation to with Christ is a very important thing to me, but I think that's something that just, you're going to have that regardless. That doesn't go away. But something outside of that, yeah, I guess taking perception would be the most important thing. Because, you you know, it's like when, when God asked, you know, told Solomon he could have whatever, and he chose knowledge. He chose wisdom, wisdom. Because he chose wisdom, God blessed him with everything else. That's the story depending on which one you read, because there's the Song of Solomon, the Key of Solomon, the Lesser Song of Solomon. But if you, but the, the, the gist of it is that he did choose wisdom because he wanted to be able to discern. And so God gave him infinite wisdom, gave him, you know, basically the, the ability to discern and the power of the universe, you know, to, 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 to understand it, you know. And he gave, through that, he gained massive amounts of wealth. to Off to the Witch. I'm your host, Christopher Garitano, and I want to thank you for joining us tonight. It's always a pleasure to speak with others who share our obsession with the unexplained. Personally, it's the stories that I love. I'm intrigued by those borderlines between fiction and reality, and more each year it becomes apparent that those lines are dissipating. Until next time, try to enjoy the daylight. <laughs>